Thanks so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and email us your story up at collegeparkchurch.org. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. The Bible says His mercies are new every day. The mercy He gave you last year for that sin, last year for that problem, last year for that mistake, is not the same mercy He uses today. And the mercy that you asked last night for the same mercy you asked last year is not the same mercy He uses today. His mercies are new. Now, by no means am I saying that we have grounds to just keep on messing up and messing, messing with things. What I'm, what I'm saying and the point that I'm trying to make is to the person who has been battling with insecurity, fear, and forgiveness. My goodness, you cannot escape the love of God over your life. His, his word says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing can separate you from his love. Neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor demons, things of this age or things to come can ever separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus. And so what I want us to do right here, right now, whether you feel it or you don't, one of the things I tell my staff is we don't fake it till we make it because the core essence of it is fake. Come on, somebody. What we do is we fight till we overcome. We're fighters. We're warriors. We're not just lazy citizens. No, we're not dictated by our feelings. We're dictated by the God's promises and truth that whatever is before me, it can fall right now at the mentioning of his name. That God is as close as the mentioning of his name. And so right now, can we just lift our hands all across this place? Whether you've been a saved all your life or you don't even know if you're saved right now. And so if we can just sing that song, we receive your mercies are falling right now. Receive the gift of grace the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness. What do we do? I receive your mercy that's falling from heaven. Because of the cross, I can stand. Because of that beaten body, now I can be strong and victorious in you. Because of the blood that was spilled, every tear that has fallen from my eyes, you have caught. And so I come to you right now, Jesus. We receive your grace, but more importantly, we let go of all our fear as we worship your name. Somebody lift up a shout of 
victory. Lift up a voice of triumph. Lift up an anthem of praise. Come on. Can you high five three people and say today is a victorious day? High five three people, today is a victorious day. Amen. So great to be with you. Um, my name is Pastor Mark. I am the chief whatever of College Park Church. Whatever the chiefs needs, we do it. We're one body, one family not just functioning as one part, selfish to our own needs and our own opinions and our own desires. Oh, that's good preaching right there. Ain't nobody going to give me an amen, huh? Tough crowd, Holy Spirit. I need your help this morning, Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Whether it's ushering, greeting, or parking. Man, I love parking. That was fun. Yeah, Carlos. Yeah, Tristan. Just my wife's like, man, you better work on that farmer's tan then if you do that mess. Like, I like my man all whole in one color. Mm -hmm. Love my wife. She's amazing. If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, can you shout hallelujah? hallelujah? Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I don't know if I just got too much vitamin C. I just feel jacked up right now. It's going to be a great day this morning, right? Anybody ready for the word? John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17, it says this. Um, John, one of the people who hung out with Jesus, John, one of the core people, and not just in the crowd, not just committed, but he was a core portion or core part of what Jesus wanted to happen when it came to developing disciples, spiritual fathers, People that others down the age could identify with. John chapter 15, verse 9. If you're there, say you're there. If you're not, say hold on. Good. As the Father loved me, I have, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Everybody say abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. How many of you love Jesus? Don't answer this. Don't answer this out loud. This next question, are you abiding in his commandments? Are you obeying his commandments? Are you walking in his commandments? The Bible says if you love me, that's what you'll do. That's a, that's a sign of somebody who loves Jesus. That's a sign of somebody who obeys God. Now, you know, you can call yourself a Christian and been in church all your life, but, man, if you can't serve and if you can't love and if you can't give of your tithes and offerings, you don't love Jesus. Why? Because you don't obey his commandments. Hmm. My name is Pastor Mark. Um, that's enough. I'll see you here next week for the second continuation of today's sermon. Going back to John chapter 15, going in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. How many of you maybe have not necessarily a full supply of joy? Show of hands. Not a full supply of joy. This is going to be a word for you this morning. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love 
has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. The greatest of love is not somebody who just posts, man, I love you. The greatest of love isn't somebody who posts on Instagram a meme talking about how they love you. You know, the greatest of love isn't somebody who just texts you or call you. The greatest of love, the Bible says, according to Scripture, according to biblical truth, which is the bedrock of our foundation, is somebody who lays down their life. Verse 14, you are my friends. Should I am a friend of God. Someone shout, I am a friend of God. Look to you, name and shout, I am a friend of God. If they're sleeping, just, you know, give them a good slap. Give your neighbor a good slap. Say, wake up, neighbor. Verse 14, if you are my friends, if you do what, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants. What? For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard or all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you. I found God. You didn't find God. God's never been missing. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Why did he bless you? And why did he save you? Why did he perform and manifest all those miracle signs and wonders through you so that you should go and bear fruit? Every time God does a miracle to you, it's never just for you, but it's a message he's creating out of you to connect people to him. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you. I'm not suggesting to you. I'm not just throwing out there to you. How many of you love Jesus? Make some noise in this house. Be careful what you say you are. These things I command you. That you love one another. Whoo, that sucks preaching sometimes. And that's easier said than done, amen? How did Jesus love? That's the biggest question. Because in order to love like Jesus, we gotta look at Jesus and what he has done in order to love like we ought to love today. One of the things that I find quite different in the church, I go, well, not just church, I'll just, I'll throw it out there in this generation, in this time, is the definition of love, right? The definition of a friend. The definition of somebody who says they are committed to you. How many of you have ever had somebody committed to you and hurt you? How many of you ever had somebody commit to do a thing for you and they never show up? Come on. Oh, we, pre- we, about, when we start the thing this morning. We going there. Stepping on toes. Stepping on your corn, on your, on, on, on your pinky toe. That's been hurting you. We're going to stomp on every toe this morning. Glory to God. He says, the author pins, John writes, the only way to love is to love like Jesus. The only genuine, authentic love is the love of Christ. Just because, like I said earlier, you gave a birthday card or you set a, pre- or you set a present or you visited one time does not necessarily mean you technically, authentically love them. So how do we truly love? Paul lets us know in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says imitate because there's no way that you can genuinely, authentically love people like Christ. 
because you are limited in your love, just as you are limited in your resources. That's why he says imitate. That's why he says do as I do, act as I act. What you hear me do, I ask and I compel you to do. But a lot of times, there are times where we, we mess up in acting. We mess up as we rehearse for that play. We, and we mess up trying to quote that scripture or try to give that motivational thought. We mess up in trying to love our spouse. And we mess up in how we correct our child. We mess up in showing up to work on time. We come, come on, does anybody, has anybody ever messed up in life? Make some noise. It does stink. That's why Paul says imitate. He doesn't say imitate Christ. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ because he wants you to realize that as a fleshly man, I'm going to fall. That's why the scripture says, though the righteous fall seven times, he what? It doesn't say the sinner. It doesn't say the unbeliever. It says the person in right standing with God. There are going to be moments as you walk with the Lord, as you commit to a life of holiness, commit to a life that is set apart for God, that you are going to fall. It's not that you want to fall. It's just because you're... As long as you wear this thing called the flesh, everybody say the flesh. This, this, this suit of a body, the suit of a man, the suit of a woman. The Bible says it's carnal. What does that mean? It's messed up. It's screwed up from the floor up. There's nothing good that comes from this thing. That's why the Bible says when you get to heaven, you're going to have a new body. Six packs and all. No excess fat. And all the woman said. I knew I would get a few amen on that one. Nothing good comes this thing. This thing fights against the things of God. This thing wants to do what it wants, which is what? The core root of it is the selfishness. The core root of it is pride. The core root of it is I want what I want, and I want it now. And so through life, we see God say, you know what? Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. This is your holy, reasonable act of worship. I want to talk, I want to talk in the era of friendships this morning. We've been talking, we've been dissecting um, the story of Samson the last few weeks. If you've been with us, man, has it blessed you? Has it blessed you? Last few weeks? Praise God. Only one person that's blessed, okay. Um, that's, uh, uh, um, okay, yeah, I, see, I see where we're going. Hard crowd, Jesus, help me, Lord. We've been dissecting the story of Samson. It's been the sistratum of the last few weeks. As far as the text that God has burned in my heart in order to illustrate what he wants in your heart. In your heart. And the whole reasoning um, of preaching Samson is because God spoke a word that there is a spirit of Samson that's come up upon my church. I've never heard this preach. I've never seen this in a book. This is just something that God has spoke deep within my spirit, deep within my spirit. Where we live in a day and time where people are walking in the strength of the Lord. They're experiencing signs, wonders, and miracles at certain levels. Some people more than others, some greater than others. Amen. But at the end of the day, what ends up happening is they end up laying their head in the lap of the enemy at night. And they wonder why their life is so confused. Here's the thing about Samson that you don't get this thing twisted. Nowhere in text, and I've said this the last few weeks, and I need to say it in order to build up onto where we're going this morning. Nowhere in scripture do you see Samson having a sexual relationship with Delilah. Nowhere. All theologians, all scholars, all agree. Nothing in that, from a physical, lustful state ever happened in the life of them, of the life of those two. 
And so one cannot suggest that Samson, the way he messed up, the way he lost his anointing, the way he lost his strength was through lust or sexual activity. It's not. How he lost his vision, how he lost his strength was through the friendships and accountability. Where he laid his head every day at night when no one else is watching. What he allowed to massage and form inside or on his head when everybody else wasn't around. And there was Delilah stroking stroking his hair and massaging his muscles and relaxing, speaking over him every night. To the point that Samson, Samson wasn't some ignorant fool. The Bible says that four times, four times, four times that Delilah came at him trying to deceive him, find out what's weak inside of him in order to take out his strength and his anointing. I come with a word that there is an enemy, his name is Satan, who's out to steal, kill, and destroy your anointing. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want you to see yourself in the image of God. He doesn't want you to see yourself as a co-heir with Jesus Christ, as an heir of righteousness. He doesn't want you to see yourself as forgiven. He doesn't want you to see yourself as an heir of, uh, of heaven where all heavenly blessings are yours. For he doesn't want you to see it. And he knows if he can take you from seeing it, you'll never believe it. And God of heaven, if it, that's not the conversation I have with every dysfunctional Every half-baked Christian on earth today, including myself at times, I don't know if I can produce this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can operate on this. I don't know if I can embrace what God is speaking over me about this. You're right. You can't do nothing. But with God, you can do all things. Oh, come on. With God, you can do all things. Because he is the one who gives you the strength. Your strength isn't your education. And your strength isn't my, isn't my wife. It isn't your husband. Your strength isn't a local body. Your strength comes from the Lord. Well, my wife, as much as I love her, and as much as you hear me talk about how I love her, she is not my anchor. Is anybody with me this morning? My anchor is Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Not Jesus Christ, the professor. Not Jesus Christ, the teacher. Not Jesus Christ, who comes with a tweetable thought. The Jesus Christ who convicts my heart. The Jesus Christ that transforms and renews my mind from religion and tradition. The Jesus Christ who comes to make all things new. Whose word says, who who is the word, pierces through the bone and marrow of who I am. Last time I checked, a bone marrow transplant is painful. He he said, I come to transplant something inside of you, Pastor Dylan. I come to transplant something inside of you, Rob. I come to transplant something inside of you, College Park. And guess what? It's not kicks and giggles. It will hurt. I trust in that Jesus who sharpens me, who polishes me, who cuts me. Who commands me, carry your cross. Who commands me, love people. How do I love people, Jesus? As I have loved you. That sounds silly. You know how I really know? 
I really love God. You know how I really know when I really have true, authentic, genuine faith? When all hell breaks against me and people betray me, how is my attitude in that moment? You don't know how much faith you have unless all hell breaks against you. You don't know how much you learn from the coach unless you get on the court and play the game. Just because you got the textbook right and you got all lays and all your stuff, it's a whole different when you get behind the wheel of a car and drive it for the first time and all the teenagers know what I'm talking about and all those who were teenagers at one time, which is the majority of all of us, know exactly where I'm going. The first time you had a parallel park. Lord Jesus, I literally went seven times trying to parallel park in and out, and I went front, not backwards. It was hard. I got the textbook right, but my God, I couldn't parallel park for the save my life. It's a whole different when you're in the game instead of studying and YouTubing it and watching on TV, everybody talking about the game. We got so many fans, we don't have enough committed soldiers. Forget committed, we, don't have, we, we have committed, we don't have any core people in the body of Christ. Core people say, you know what, I'm in it for the long haul. Committed people would say, you know what, I'm in it if we win. But then there's the crowd. There's the crowd. Spectating fans. Telling everybody what to do, but ain't doing nothing themselves. Come on, man. Are y'all with me this morning? Can somebody shout amen? Can somebody shout? Man, we said quiet church is a dead church. Are you a dead church? Talk back to me. Here's the thing, I've come this morning, another hard word like last week. If you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, I, man, I challenge you. If out of all the messages, messages I preached, last week's message, if you want revival, if you want revival, you can't have revival without repentance. One of the things I pray that we repent from this morning is in the area of our friendships. Who is rooted around you? Who is rooted around you? I say this all the time. I, I know I'm a broken record. I've been preaching this all my life since God deposited this to me. Show me your friends. You are a product of your environment. Well, so-and-so did this to me, and so-and-so screwed me over, and so-and-so betrayed me. No. Nope, nope, you didn't value your friendships. You just can't give everything to everyone. Jesus loved everyone, but he didn't disciple everyone. Okay, let me take it. Jesus loved everyone, but he didn't allow everybody to go with him. Because nobody was willing to grow with him. Even though Jesus had the 5,000, he also had his 70. Not only did he have the 70 and the 5,000, but he also had his 12. Not only did he have his 5,000, the 70, and the 12, he also had his three. Because only three were really committed throughout the entire process. I'm learning this a lot in ministry. When me and Jennifer um, first went into full-time ministry, we were excited. We were so excited. I remember when God spoke to us that in one year we were going to be in full-time ministry, I was ironing clothes. And as I was ironing, the Holy Spirit dropped it. I told Jennifer, um, we, just, we just got married, and um, it was insane. 
my pastor at the time, some of you have heard it, some of you haven't, at the time asked me, you know, where do you see yourself in a year? Literally within a week or within that month, he asked me that question. And I told him I'll be in full-time ministry in a, in a year. And he laughed at me. He goes, <laughs> they ain't going to be here, boy. <laughs> no offense taken. I just said, I'm just telling you what God spoke to me. A couple days, three days later, is that right? I forget the numbers. Three days prior to us becoming youth pastors. Was it three days or a week? When Pastor Bill asked us to be the pastors. Three days? It was within a week, within a week. Pastor Bill asked us, I guess you heard from God. You're called to be the youth pastor. Pastor Clint has been, um, been called to Alabama. You're the man for the job, God's told me. It was in that moment of a year that was, that was insane crazy. Because as I was saying I'm going to be in full-time ministry, everybody else thought I was crazy because the current pastor at that time was an amazing pastor. In fact, he just was appointed to be state overseer of Ohio and West Virginia, one of my spiritual fathers, um, as of last month. Oh, no, as of today. Today, he's appointed today. One of the most frustrating times in my walk with the Lord was speaking and declaring something that God spoke to me. Everybody thought, Mark, you're too young. Mark, you don't have that seminary degree. Mark, do you see who's pastor? I'm not saying I'm going to be pastor of Somerville because that's not what God said to me. God said he's going to take me to a new place, and I'm believing him that he's going to do that in and through me. I remember going back to the Bible, Genesis 22 with Abraham. Remember Abraham? God spoke a word into Abraham. He didn't have the New Testament at that time, and he didn't have the Old Testament. He didn't have the writings of Paul, and he didn't have all the illustration of the, of the prophet. All Abraham had was a couple of conversations with a guy who called himself God. And the Bible says that he believed. And the Bible tells me that he counted it as righteousness, said, you know what? I'm going to make you right just because you did this one thing you believed. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to imitate something. I'm going to imitate Abraham. I'm going to believe that what God spoke to me, he's going to do in me and through me. Someone shall imitate Christ. Paul said that for a certain reason. Because there's going to be so many people around you. And by default, you're going to imitate who is near you. You're going to imitate who is near you. You're going to imitate their habits. You're going to imitate their likes. I remember growing up, and I, and, and I say I remember because I've seen it in Gracie and Judah. Gracie is probably one of the most fearless people I know. She's fearless. But just recently, she was around a couple girls, and these girls was very timid. They were very fearful about certain things. And then I saw Gracie imitating them, acting like she was scared. Even how she acted scared looked fake, because that's not who she is. But she took on the environment that she was in and rooted. And by default, she became a product of her environment, scared, timid, and fearful. Not, not, not who she used to be, not who she was before that. That person was fearless. One of the things I wonder in our walk with the Lord, we pray for, we pray for miracles. We pray for signs. We, we, pray, we pray for all these things. One of the things I've always noticed when it comes to God and how he answers us, every time we pray, he uses people to do it. For Peter, it was Paul. For Elijah, it was Elijah. For me, it was Pastor Clint, Pastor Steve, Pastor Bill, Pastor Martin, 
um, Pastor Chucky, Kirk Risen, Pastor um, Robert, um, um, Pastor Lang, Miss Joyce Lang, and the list just keeps going on because it takes a village to raise this knucklehead. <laughs> I'm reminded of the Golden State Warriors, um, the, the, the current championships of the NBA. Strength in numbers, they say. Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. You're not good alone. You're better, you're better, you're, you're better with me. You're better with them. You're better with us. You were never designed to do life alone, right? A common theme always said across this pulpit. He told Adam it's not good for what? Man to be alone. A one-stranded cord is what? But a lot of times in our friendships, we start uniting and we're still broken. We have a core nucleus of people, and we find ourselves still fearful and intimidated. And we keep asking ourselves, well, Mark, you keep saying strength in numbers. You keep saying we shouldn't do life alone, and you keep preaching I shouldn't be a one-stranded cord, but I still find myself being easily broken. What in the world is going on? Is what you're preaching truth, or or is what you're preaching heresy? What's going on? I wonder, have you evaluated the friendship, or let me say this, the soil that you are planted and rooted in? Your friends, the people, the network, the nucleus of people that you are surrounding your life in are the soil to which the seed that God planted inside of you will grow. That's crazy, man. I was talking to my wife. She's like, do you know what you're preaching? I have a scripture. I have information, but I just don't feel it. I feel it right now, babe. I feel it right now. I feel it. We've been preaching about seed, seed, the power of the seed. How you sow determines how you grow. Just because you want something to grow means nothing if you don't have a seed. Every one of us have a seed. But just like you have a seed, you got to plant it in the right soil for that seed to grow. The right thing. Your friendships, your relationships, the people around you are the soil for that seed to grow out of you. You are a product of your environment. Show me your friends and I'll what? Show me your friends and I'll what? Have all the passion. Have all the seed. But if you don't plant the seed, you'll never grow. If you don't plant the seed in the right soil, it determines how fast you'll be able to. To see the manifestation, the supernatural signs and wonders of miracle manifest out of your life today. Samson, what destroyed Samson's life? His circle of people that he was around. One of the things that some people disagree with me is how I level up my relationships here at College Park. I literally have levels of relationship. I just don't surround around. I, don't, I just don't surround about surround myself around anybody. I will love people, but some people I will love close. Some people I will love far off. Some people I will preach to close. Some people I will preach to afar off. I just can't hang out with everybody. It's not that I don't want to. It's because I can't. Have you ever experienced true heartache from somebody that you truly love? Can you imagine scaling that to 200 people? 200 people breaking your heart? Even Jesus understood leveling his relationships and marginalizing his friendships. Even Jesus. Jesus loved everybody, but he didn't grow with everybody. And I've come to this realization, and this is a common theme to those who I am very close to or whatever. If they can't grow with you, they can't go with you. 
I don't care what they've done in their past. What are you doing today? What are you doing today? How are you planted today? How is your attitude today? Something that's been something new in the last week that God has been convicting me and shaping me and transforming my mind is just because somebody knows right, just because somebody does right, is it enough? I was like, Holy Spirit, what are you talking about? Do they feel right? Do they feel right? What do you mean how do they feel right? Their attitude, the persona, when they walk into the room. Have you ever noticed things can be going real well and that one person, that one negative person walks in and it changes the whole entire atmosphere of the event? Because it, it doesn't feel right anymore. It doesn't feel good. Why? Because, I mean, it, 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 it messes with our mind. It, it messes with our thinking because it's like, well, they know right and they seem to be doing right. But their spirit is stank. <laughs> their attitude is polluted. They give off innuendos that are toxic. They keep giving insinuations that are poisonous. I mean, just the very nature of them rolling their eyes lets you know the spirit and how dark they really are inside. They're imitating one thing, but not imitating the right one. Oh, go ahead, imitate that pastor, and go ahead and imitate your past, and go ahead and imitate your mentors. But Paul said, just don't imitate just some natural person. Imitate the one that I'm imitating, that is Christ. Imitate his nature. Imitate his behavior. Imitate his conduct. When Jesus walked in the room, what does that song say? When you walk into the room, everything changes. It doesn't change for the worse. It doesn't change for the negative. It changes for the good. There are some people I love when they walk into the room. Mr. Bob Cochran. I love Mr. Bob. When Mr. Bob walks into the room, everything changes. If you don't know him, Mabuhai. <laughs> I love him. Mr. Bob, can you just raise your hand? I just want to honor you. I want to honor you. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning in the parking lot, him and his wife have the best attitude in the world. And I, I remember even today, there was somebody that walked past us. They just looked down and out. And you're just sitting there joking, and they're like, there's Mr. Bob again. And, that, and she smiled. Everything changed. But then on the flip side, I've been in board meetings, executive meetings, finance meetings, and certain people walk into the room and it's like, oh, it's a stinking drag. Guess what? Those people aren't with us no more. Because if you ain't going to grow with us, you can't go with us. And just because you know right and just because you do right don't mean you are right. It's a spiritual thing. That we are cultivating our life to be more like Christ. And Jesus said, you know what? If you want to be like me, and if you want to see people who are like me, do they love like me? How does Jesus love you? He says, love others with. Mm. How many times has he forgiven you for that stink pornography issue, Mark? How many times has he forgiven you? For that gossiping mouth, Mark, how many times has he forgiven you? Love like me. Imitate me. Imitate me. Now, there's a difference between being a pushover and loving like Jesus. 
Don't mistake my weakness for bold, or my, you know, my meekness for weakness, I heard someone say a long time ago. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have to be a total pushover and allow people to just knock you over and slap you around and kick and mistreat and, and abuse you. No, what I'm saying is there comes a time where you got to say, man, enough is enough. You get to your mind. You know what? I come to my senses. I, I'm, I'm not born from this pit. I'm not born to be amongst pigs. I'm born to be a king's kid. And we're living in the king's house, operating as a, as a son or you as a daughter of the most high. There comes a time where you say, you know what, enough's enough. That's why the Bible says you just can't cast your pearls to anyone. You just can't give all that you are to all people. Scripture says don't cast your pearls before swine. You just can't give holy things to people who are unholy. Move, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Move, Holy Spirit. Boy, I feel tension in this room right now. Tension right here, right now. You just can't give of yourself to everybody because not everybody can handle what you have, and then you get frustrated when you give it to them and they abuse you. You get angry because they start trampling all over you. You start getting angry. Why? Because you didn't value the soil that you planted and were rooted in. And I wonder what would happen. How would your world change? How would your life change? How would your work change? How would your family change if you just changed? You changed the soil or the friendships around you. Oh, my goodness. He, whom sh he who shows himself to be friendly, he too will have friends. The reason why some of you don't have people is because you fail to love people the way God wants you to love people. That's it. That is it. Drop the mic. The reason why we can connect on the level to which we desire and that we dream and that we have a vision for that God's spoken into our life is because we haven't showed ourselves to be friendly. Proverbs tells us, show yourself. in order to have friends, you must first show yourself to be friendly. Your level of relationships will determine the level of your blessing. Your level of relationships will determine the level of breakthrough and you experiencing your destiny in God, in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, I love this, I love this, I love this. The Bible says, blessed are you. For God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. Sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Another scripture where it says, and men will give unto your bosom. Not God, but men. Isn't it ironic that every miracle that God did in the New Testament through the acts of everyone came through, came through people. Healing came through people. The revelation came through people. Because God uses people as the conduit to give his message through. And he does it through people. And whenever we, that's what's so important of never forsaking the assembly of the brethren. Because when we try to do life all by ourselves, we, what, we, what we essentially do when we try to live life by ourselves and lead by ourselves and mentor by ourselves, just do everything by ourselves, what we do is we reject blessings, we reject healing, we, 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 we reject revelation, 
We reject truth because God will always use people to come beside you to elevate you to the level to which he created within. And your friendships are a result of your promise. My God, we hate the hardships of it all. I never thought that 17 years ago, the pastor that I would cuss out as a young teenager, and I wanted nothing to do with Pastor Bill Vines, I never thought that that relationship that I tried to honor and love would be the relationship that was set me before pastors who run over thousands of people on multiple campuses, and they pay my way and my staff's way all free. I never thought that one relationship would do that. I never thought that relationship would do that. I never thought that my relationship with Chucky Chandler, who's a pastor of East Clemson Fellowship Church in Easley, South Carolina, uh, Anderson, South Carolina, who was the former state youth director of Church of God of Prophecy, South Carolina, or Kirk Risen, who was a youth pastor of Carolina Heights, who is now the international youth director of the world youth ministries of Church of God of Prophecy, would be the people who would put me on platforms to preach to thousands. I never thought that would be. All I remembered was I just wanted to sow and be mentored and bless their ministry. And little did I know that later down the road that those relationships that I rooted my life in, that I had to make the conscious decision, I'm going to serve you no matter what and no matter where you go and no matter where this takes me, no matter what people think of me. There are many times that we could have left to another church, to a big church in South Carolina, in the low country, youth ministry, I don't know, I forget how many thousand, or a couple, uh, just 1,000, church of many, many thousands. But I realized that God blesses me. He promotes me based on my faithfulness to the one true king. My promotion does not come from people. And my promotion does not come from you. You don't pay my check. God pays my check. And to the person who thinks I'm paying you, no, you're not. God pays me. And for you to think that, there's darkness that has blinded you. There is darkness that has deafened you. And I pray that you repent and come to the knowledge and love and grace of Jesus Christ this morning. We're going there this morning. God is my promoter. God is your restorer. God is the one who makes all three, all crooked paths straight. Who makes it straight? Who makes it straight? Who makes it straight? Who makes it straight? Can we give God some praise this morning? The one who makes your marriage straight. The one who will make your kids straight. The one who will take you from the miry pit and place your feet on a rock. The one who will take your mind that has been clouded, that has been diluted, and make all things new. The one to which you thought has has been lost and forgotten. The one that you thought was forsaken you. The one you thought hasn't spoken is going to speak life and life eternal. Can we God 30 seconds of praise? In fact, can you stand to your feet if God's been good to you? If God has given you breakthrough? If God has saved you? If God has given you a new song? God has given you a new voice? And give them one who deserves all praise. All praise this morning. 20 more seconds. My God is faithful. My God is good. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like my God. 10 seconds. 
my God who delivered me from the paw of the bear and the mouth of the lion, the, the same God who destroyed the nations before me and took down the impenetrable walls before me deserves all praise. High five three people and say, today's your victory. Today's your victory. Today's your victory today. Genesis 22. Abraham. Abraham, how? What does he do? What does he do? Abraham doesn't doesn't just get what God is saying to him. He doesn't just get it. He, I mean, he gets it, but it's not just getting it that's enough. I get that God loves me, and I get that God wants me to love others. I get that God wants me to imitate him. I get it. But there's a big difference between getting it and giving it. There's a big difference between talking about it and ushering it out of your life. Well, I've been a part of this church for God knows how many years. I don't care what you gave back then. What are you giving now? Old wideskins burst, the Bible tells me. And you can't put new wine in old thinking, in old ways, in old traditions. Don't get me wrong. I don't dishonor. I thank God for my mentors. Just like I gave honor to them today. But I don't live in the past. I honor the past. But I live in the present in order for God to pour in new wine for a new thing that he's doing right now. For my family, for my church, for the city. For the city. As long as there are lost souls in this house, as long as there are lost people in this city, as long as there are lost people in this world, we need to be about the Father's business and imitating him and loving people back to him. The reason why you're here is because someone loved you back to life. The Bible says, what greater love than a man give his life? What greater love than a man, what? Lay down his life. What greater love than a man lay down his life? What greater love than a man lay down his life? What greater love than a man, what? 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 Now, don't get me wrong. I know this is the 21st century church. And you might not have to lay down your life in the way of Jesus on a form of a cross. I get it. You might, have to, you, might not be, you might not get the chance to lay down your life like some of the people in the Middle East to the acts of being burned alive and head chopped off. But when was the last time you laid down your opinion? When was the last time you laid down your anger? When was the last time you laid down your unforgiveness? When was the last time you laid down your pride and your stank, ugly attitude? That when you walk into the room, you change everything. And you say, God, I'm going to lay it down. So when I walk into the room, light, not darkness. Blessings, not curses. A positive attitude, not a negative one. A negative, not, a negative mind never produces a positive life. So get rid of that negative mindset. Say, you know what? I choose. I choose to put on the mind of Christ today. I choose to put on the mind of the anointed one today. I choose not to live like my past. But I choose to be who he's called me to be in my present in order to produce, in order to invest into my future. Let's talk about friendships just a little bit more. Can we go about, can, we, can I just dive into that just a little bit more this morning? The area of friendships?
I say friendships because it has been a 100% track record from teenagers to senior citizens. This is the number one error that's destroying a lot of us in this church today. The reasoning why we can't grab onto our future or the reason why our destiny in God seems so small and so minuscule is because we keep allowing people in our past that we've connected in to pour into us. You'll never connect to what's ahead until you let go of what has come and passed. Let me say it another way. The very thing you're running from is, the, is being poured into you by the very one you're connected to. And you wonder why you can't get that adulterated mind out of your head. And you wonder why you can't get that unforgiveness out of your head. And you can't grab on to what's ahead of you. It's because you are connected to people who are pouring into you to who you used to be, not to who you are today and where God has taken you to be. If the people in the current phase of your walk don't understand where God has taken you into the new chapter of your life, cut them out of your life right now. Right now. Right now. Right now, you've been praying for breakthrough. There's your breakthrough. Obey God's command. Stop holding on to what was and hold on to what is and what is going to be in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Seal it, Holy Spirit, in the mind of the believers in this house right here, right now. What greater love than a man give his life for a friend? Give his life, give his life, give his life. Man. Abraham gave his life. Abraham gave his life. You know how I know he gave his life? You, you can know the level of somebody's commitment to Jesus based on their sacrifice. Your talk is trash in the eyes of God. Your sacrifice is a savoring aroma to him. The Bible says that Abraham prayed and prayed and prayed for a seed, prayed and prayed. And God said, you know what? Through you, your seed is going to outnumber the sands in the seashore. Count the stars if you can, Abraham. So shall your descendants be. Here's the problem. He had no kids. So how in the world is this going to be established in my life? I'm, I, I think at that time, Abraham was 80-something years old, and Sarai, who turned into Sarah, was like 90-something 90, 90 years old or whatever, and God's speaking all this stuff into Abraham, and he's like, and the Bible literally says that Abraham laughed. He laughed. Even Sarah laughed at one moment. How in the world are you going to bless me, Jesus? You see how wrinkled I am? Ain't nothing inside working like I used to do. <laughs> I don't got it like I got <laughs> But God says, you know what? I'm in the business, man. I'm in the business of blessing out of season. I'm in the business of bringing life to something that you think is dead. And I'm about to bring life into you right now if you would just believe. The Bible says that he finally believed, went to a place that he had no idea where he was going. In the, in the process of that, God blesses him with one son. Everybody say one son. His name is Isaac. I want to say it's in Genesis 22. It seems like in, somewhere in the end of Genesis. Somewhere in the end of Genesis. God speaks to Abraham again. Abraham. Yes, Lord. 
to give you just a long story short because I want you to read it for yourself. I want you to give me a sacrifice. I want you to give me a sacrifice. What's the sacrifice, Lord? You know the thing that I've been praying, thing that you've been praying for all your life? Yeah, I want you to sacrifice it. Isaac? You want me to sacrifice the very thing that I've been praying for? Yeah. The Bible says early the next morning he left. Early the next morning he left. The Bible says, I want to say he was a three days off, three days off. He started wondering and going to a place he had even he had no idea where to go yet. Check it. This is crazy. He had no GPS location yet. He just went wandering off. Took the knife, took wood, took the son, took servants, and there came a point that God said, okay, you're obeying me now. Now I'm telling you, I want you to go to this place, and I want you to sacrifice your son. This is crazy. How many of you have a son? Raise your hand. I can't imagine that commandment that God gave Abraham to see, do you love me? Not only is he going to kill him, but in that time, sacrifice, you had to burn it as well. So essentially, Michael, would you come up here? Would you just lay prostrate on the floor right here? This means lay down flat. (laughs) Essentially, this is what God is asking Abraham. Your son, the very thing that you love, the very thing that I have blessed you, the very thing that I said is going to be your promise, the very thing that's going to produce my people. I'm, I'm asking you, take the knife, take the wood, prepare the wood, kill it, and burn it before me. That's a sacrifice. A sacrifice isn't just, woo, I love Jesus. You make all things new. Woo, you make, you make, you make all things beautiful. That's not a sacrifice. Are you willing to sacrifice the very thing that means everything to you? Everything to you. His son meant everything. It meant God's testimony. It it meant God's blessing. It made God's God. And and, and God's saying, I want you to sacrifice the very thing. And not only when you cut it, I want you to burn it. I want you to totally consume it. The Bible says, as, as um, Abraham was walking up, stay there. Isaac's, um, Dad, there seems to be a problem. <laughs> I see a knife. I see the wood for the sacrifice. But where is the sacrifice? Abraham says, what? 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 Oh, come on. What, church? This whole entire time, no matter what test you give me, God, I love you. No matter what you tell me to do, you know what ends up happening? This is the good news. This is the good news about it. As they make their way up, because of his obedience, the Bible says there was a sacrifice ready around there. And instead of sacrificing his son, which he was about to kill... God said, stop, there's the ram, there's the provision, 
There's the, there's the answer. I know you love me. Can y'all give him a round of applause for being obedient and awesome? When was the last time you sacrificed something so great? Something so huge. Something that meant the world to you. Because he meant everything to you. It's hard. We live in a day and time where we, like God spoke to me a few weeks ago, Spirit of Samson. We love the gift of strength but we forget the one who gave it to us. And instead of loving God with all our heart, we love the miracle with all our heart. Instead of loving God with everything, we, in our own strength, are trying to fix everything. Instead of surrendering all to God, we want everybody to surrender all to us. And God says, not in my kingdom. Not in my kingdom. You know how you love somebody? By laying down your life for a friend. Three levels of friendship. This is how I level up my friendships. There's the crowd. Like we see here. People who faithfully come every Sunday. People who enjoy hearing the word. Or at least I I hope you do. you're blessed by it. And then there's the second level. There's the committed. People who are committed to, like Carlos and Tristan and Hannah and Mr. Rich, who serve all the time and get here at 9, some at 8 o'clock in the morning. They're committed. They're committed. They are so committed. But then there are, but then there are the core. Come hell or high water, they ain't stepping out of the boat. The crowd, it's all about give me, give me, give me. They come and all they want to do is eat, 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 but they never feed, 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 feed. They don't feed others, but they too want to be fed. There's a season for that. There's a season for being fed, all right? I am not knocking those who want to eat. There's a season for having to sit under a pastor, sit under leaders and be fed. But that is the entire lifespan of your life. Amen. There comes a time where we step out and we step up our faith. I'm going to give. But here's the problem. Even though there is a group called the committed, there's still an issue with committed. Because most of the time, the committed are only committed, not to you, but they're committed to the cause. They're committed to the cause. They believe what you believe and where you're wanting to go and wanting to get there problem is, if they see somebody driving a faster vehicle to get there, they get out of your car and get into their car and drive off. And there you are stranded. What in the world happened? I thought they were committed. Yes, smart, they were committed to you. Or they were committed to the cause, but they were never committed to you. But then there are the core. Peter, James, and John. Jesus says, you know what? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. The thousands leave. Jesus looks over to the core people and the committed. Are you going to leave too? The core, only one core person says, where else are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. 
Jesus responds to him in another time, man. You know what? Uh, Peter, do you love me? 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 Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. I love you. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Just don't be fed by me, but feed others. Just don't sit and become a spiritual fat cow, but be a lean, mean, fighting machine and give to others. Just don't be a person that gets, but be a person that gives of yourself as a living sacrifice. But then there are the core, man, like Peter, James, and John, where it's not just because. But, man, they're with you no matter if everyone's around you or everyone leaves you. There is John watching his Savior die on a cross. I'm never going to leave you. Because that's why he got the statement, John the Beloved, because he really loved. Because he never left Jesus. He never left his side. No matter what pain. You know why? I had somebody come to me this past two Sundays ago. And they dumped on me some information I probably wish I never heard, to some degree. This person was close to another person in this church, and this person was close to this family, really close. They were close to me as well, but they were also close to this other family. Found out information that this person was saying behind my back, and I thought this person was maybe just taking it out of context, and they're like, did you say this and this in a meeting? Yeah. How'd you know that? Because they recorded, they recorded it. They recorded this meeting and took it out of context and were sending it to other people, taking it out of context. I remember I was talking to this person, and if this happened six months ago, I would have turned into the Incredible Hulk. But my God is a God who will protect you, provide for you, and keep you. Shelter you in the midst of a storm. I remember talking to this individual as they're divulging all this just darkness. And I remember just going to my room and crying, not because of anger, crying because, God, you protected me through it all. I'm reminded of that old song, Through It All. <laughs> Through it all. My God is the one who has leveled me up. My God is the one who has promoted me. My God is the God who has lifted me up. No human being has done it, but God has. And what I found out when it comes to the waves of the Lord at times, he will allow catastrophe. And he will allow giants. And he will allow impenetrable walls. In fact, he allowed Naaman, who was a wicked person, who served a wicked king, take out God's chosen people. God will allow bad things to happen in order to see, Mark, do you really love me? You've been wondering, why is all this hell broken out of my life? God just saying, do you love me? God, why are you asking all for all this? Didn't you say you were gonna, this was going to be my blessing? Didn't you say this is what's going to, you know what, man, man, get me through? Do you love me? Just because God asked you to sacrifice something doesn't mean you're going to have to kill it. 
He just wants you to see, he just wants to see, will you obey me? You know what Abraham and Isaac represented? God and Jesus. God and Jesus. He was willing to lay down his son as a living sacrifice. Just like God laid down Jesus. Man, get this this morning. You really want to be a person of faith? You really want to be a woman or a man that loves God? That's how you love. You love like Jesus. Here is my life, a living sacrifice. This is my testimony to the world. And this is how everyone will know I love you, but my love for one another. I just don't love because I give a book bag. I just don't love just because I direct somebody in traffic. No, I love when all hell breaks loose. I love when people are leaving, when people are retreating. If they left you, they were never rooted in you. But something that is rooted will, will stand through the test of time. I'm not here because of the cause. I'm here because I'm here for you. Because I love you. And I'm laying my life down for you because there's no greater love than a man give his life for a friend. I wonder this morning, as you all stand, how much life do you have left in you? How much life do you have left in you, church? Is it Christ that lives in you? Is Christ living in you? Is Christ living in you? Is Christ living in you? Are you living for yourself? When was the last time you gave so much that it hurt like hell on earth? When was the last time you gave? I remember when me and Jennifer were about to get married. A week prior to getting married, we were supposed to sign within that week, last week of getting married. We got a phone call, or Jennifer walked into the office. She was fired from her job for being an administrative assistant at this doctor's office. We were in the Walmart parking lot, Somerville, South Carolina. And I remember where, I remember the exact spot. I remember it. And I remember praying with Jennifer, God, you're going to provide for us. If you don't want us to be married, you don't want us to be married. But if you want this marriage to be, let it be, God. I remember just having this peace, this peace you're going to provide for us. Where is the sacrifice, Mark? God is going to provide. Michael Driggers, I'm sorry, Moses Driggers, the biggest distributor of steel products on the East Coast today, even still to today. The backpack blowers and all this type of stuff, bigger than landscaper supply. I was a member of that church. God woke him up in the middle of the night, called her father, Mr. Wayne, or Wayne. Does Jennifer need a job? Mr. Wayne didn't know about this yet. No, she has a good job. God just told me if she needs a job, I got a job for her. My God provides, man. Able to sign on the house. Married the most beautiful woman in the world. Gave me three offspring. Come on. Oh, that was a joke, but you can see. You can high five. But it even goes back. I remember... I graduated high school with a 1.2 GPA because I was a sinner. Loved to party like a rock star. And um, my second senior year, I got saved. And I said, whatever I put my hands to, God, I'm going to commit to you. Went to college, graduated, magna cum laude, top 10 in my class. Had a job coming out. 
making 75 bucks an hour, promised 30 hours a week, rehabilitate, uh, rehabilitation side of MUSC. God spoke, do you love me? Say, yes, God. Will you give this up? I'll give you anything. Just to be with you. To know you. And I remember, I remember telling everybody, telling Jennifer and telling my mom and telling my dad, telling my senior pastor, telling my youth pastor. Some of you have heard it, some of you haven't. Everyone thought I was an idiot. What are you doing? At least pay off your college loans. I want to take it further and just do something in sports medicine. And, and they all knew my desire for it and how, how, how fast I was growing. God spoke to me. Everyone, 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 say everyone. Everyone thought I was an idiot. I went back and started working at Pizza Hut, making $7.50 an hour as a delivery driver. That doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. It's all about obedience. It's never about making sense, church. That's where you messed up already. That's where, that's your biggest screw up and hang up. You're wanting it. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Sacrifice my son. Does that make sense? No. Cut him, kill him, and burn my sight. Does it? It's not supposed to make sense. It's obedience. It's obedience. Typical youth pastor, while I was working here at College Park, typical youth pastor got paid 30, 30, 38, 34, 36,000 a year. We got paid way above that with other things as summer, but as a youth pastor. Sitting with Pastor Jeff. Cracker Barrel, Powdersville. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, Mark, you're connected, you're connected to this man. I looked at Jennifer, and she looked at me. I stopped Pastor Jeff, who was the previous pastor of College Park Church. If you'll have us, we'll come. We haven't even told you what we're going to pay you yet. We know that God wants us to be here. All we could pay you is a thousand bucks a month. It doesn't matter. We're on I-26, the flesh kicks in. How in the world are we going to sacrifice or live off 12000 a year? We just had twin boys, you know? We found out as we're moving here, Gracie, Jennifer's pregnant with Gracie. Where are we going to live? How, how are we going to, by the grace of God, he provides every time. He provides every time. I said he provides every time. My salary doesn't provide for me. People don't, God provides if we will just truly love him. That's all he, do you really love me, Terry? Do you really love me, Dwayne? Do you really love me, Jonathan? Do you really love me, Rachel? Do you really love me, Sherry? Do you really love me, John? Do you really love, do you, do you really love me? Lay down your life for me and let me show you As you watch me open up the gates of heaven and know nothing that comes out of the gates of hell will ever be able to prevail over your life again. Because perfect love casted out all what? I don't have to live in fear anymore because of his amazing love over my life today. And how do I do that? I offer my life. I surrender all that I have to live for him. I asked you a question earlier. I'm going to ask you again, church. How much of you is living? 
versus how much of you is dying. If you can't connect to something in your life that is dying, you are not truly living for him yet. You are living in a religion of tradition that you have valued more than a living sacrifice before the king. And I pray you repent. Because he's as close as the mentioning of his name. The good news is this, that even though you failed, his mercy is new in order to raise you up, in order to make you who he's called you to be, a victorious man and woman of the king. Even though you've screwed up already and you've been living on tradition and you've been living based on religion, my God says, you know what? He can supply all your needs according to his riches and glory if you will just live for the king. Stop living for yourself. Stop living for promotion through your salary. Stop living through promotion through another person. Stop living through promotion through your spouse or through your kids and find your acre and hope in Jesus Christ today. Be rooted in the only sorrow that will be able to fuel you, be able to motivate you, be able to move you into where he created you to be from the very foundations of this earth. And my prayer today is, what sorrow are you rooted in this morning? Are you rooted around godly, loving people? Are you just rooted around just anybody? Are you just rooted? Right, do, you, do you pick your friends like you pick your drink at a restaurant? Just allow anything in? Just drink anything that they have? Or do you value who is around you? I say this all the time. I'm a product of my environment. I'm a product of Steve Wilson. I'm a product of Pastor Clint. I'm a product of Joyce Lang. I'm a product of Rob Lang. I'm a product of Chucky Chandler. I'm a product of Kirk Risen. I'm a product of all these mighty men and women of God who have laid their life as a living sacrifice. Let me ask you. Some of you feel like you're dying. Some of you can relate, I'm not living. You're not living because you're not giving. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the only, the only way to truly live is to truly die. What does that mean? You say, God, no longer will I live for myself, but I will live for you. No longer will I live for my selfishness and my desires and my pride, but I will live. I will give anything because I really love you. And today, the spoken word that was given this morning, you would identify as somehow, some way, God is speaking to me. I've been living for myself. I've been living for my ones. I've been selfish. And my, with all my needs. I haven't been living as a living sacrifice. I haven't been giving selflessly. I've been living selfishly. I've been selfish, not selfless. But today, God is speaking to me. He's convicted me. He's cutting me. He's trying to transform me and mold me to be more like him. And I want to give everything to him. I want to give my life. And today, you would say, you know what? I haven't given my life to Jesus Christ yet. Or I had at one time, but I have been backslidden. What does that mean? I've walked away living for what I want, not living for he, what he wants. And I have been doing things in the wrong way, but I want to do things the right way. What does that mean? I want to live for him. I want to surrender all my weaknesses, all my sins, because I am truly sorry. If that is you, you don't know Christ at all. Or you knew Christ at one time, but you willingly walked away. But today, you want to know that you know that you know that you know that his love, his love, the Bible says nothing can separate you from 
And you want to experience that love today by surrendering your heart to him, we just raise your hand all across this building. Thank you for that hand. 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 My God, church, people of faith, can we give God praise for the nine people that raised their hand this morning? Eleven people added to the body of Christ last week. Nine more people added to the body of Christ today. Can we give God some praise this morning? Can we lift up our voice of triumph? Blow off this roof and say, God, thank you. As we close, Jeff Briggs is going to come up here in a minute, give you special instructions about things going on here at College Park. If you raised your hand this morning, what I would love for you to do, if you would fill up one of those connection cards, we want to connect with you. We want to pour into you. We have what we call, what we're calling our full life. Everybody say full life. It's happening August 27th, the last Sunday of this month. It'll be a four-week thing. If you want to be a partner, you can be a part of that. I'm also asking, I'm also wanting, if you've been a partner of College Park before I've been here, I want everyone, and I'm asking, I'm asking, to get connected at full life. Because essentially that's exactly what's going to be. You're going to live a full life. Discovering God, discovering Jesus, discovering you, and discovering our church and getting you connected. People ask, you know, I just don't feel like, you know, I feel like I'm being missed. You are going to get missed if you're not connected to the body. A body part operating by itself will always be isolated and be left off or dead. But something that is united and, dis, uh, and, and, and no longer dislocated, but united, that's when source comes. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, come on. If you stay connected and not dislocated. Last time I checked, a branch doesn't go to the 24-hour fitness center anywhere, you know? A branch stays connected to the, to the body, and by default, what? It grows. By default, come on. By default, it what? By default, it what? If it stays connected. Stay connected. Where, um, uh, Sonia Wilson and Kim Brown. Kim, can you just raise your hand real fast? Uh, I just want you to um, know that name because we're going to be starting a women's ministry here. We got some things that we want to get you connected. That's going to happen here in September. And all for the women of College Park Church. There's so many things going on. Miss Salvon, could you raise your hand? Miss Salvon? Miss Salvon Geyer, she's over our care team. Her and a team of people go out every Monday and Tuesday from 9 to 5 visiting shut-ins, people in the hospital, people that just can't come to church. They bring church to them. They represent College Park Church and bring in the light of God into a dark and cloudy area. There's so many things happening here. About to start a cadre, a discipleship course. Um, we piloted it last year uh, with men. Was it not powerful, man? You know, we're, um, um, the people that were a part of that cadre, they're starting their own cadre now. Of how many men do you have now and the others? You have four and the other one has what? 
They're reading one book a month. They're reading the New Testament one time a month. For six months, they're reading the New Testament one time, all the way through together. It's been powerful. It's been, we've had so much breakthrough. Um, God spoke to me and me and my wife. We're going to start a cadre for the women. We want to pour into some leaders in this church. I thought I was going to start a men's group. Holy Spirit said, no, there's, for some reason, there's, I don't know. I'm just trusting the Lord. I'm just obeying him. Amen? That's all I'm going to do. And so um, my wife and I, we're going to, we're going to do that. If you want to be a part of that, get one of those connection cards. I want to be part of the cadre. Put your connection. Put all your information on there. And I want to, I want to, I want to, me and my wife want to contact you personally. We want to contact you personally. We want to, there's something that's moving and shifting in the atmosphere here at College Park Church. I said there's something shifting and moving in the atmosphere here at College Park Church. Someone said just recently, man, it's packed here. This ain't packed. As long as there's souls dying and going to hell, there's always going to be a seat here. If we got to go to two, three, build a new campus, we're going to do that. As long as there are people dying and going to hell, we're going to keep reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether that's through Facebook, Instagram, TV, World Wide Web, we don't care. Whatever resource that is out there to give the gospel of Jesus, to give, to give, not to get, but to give the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to do it by every means. Can somebody shout amen? Talking about means. I just want to say thank you to the nine people who raised their hand. The greatest of miracles happened this morning. The greatest of miracles. So this is what I want you to do. Jeff, if you would make your way up now, I'm going to pray and he's going to talk. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to say this to the nine people, but I also want the family. Everybody say family. I want the family of God to say this together with the nine people who are being part of the family today being raised from death to life, darkness to light. All things are made new today. We want to be a part of that journey. Get you a Bible if you need a Bible after you say this prayer. But as a family, if we, want to, if we can say this together, Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for being there when I wasn't. I'm sorry for my mistakes, for my sin. Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Here are my plans. Here are my opinions. Here's my tongue. Use it. Use it. Use it for your glory. In your name I pray. Amen. Can we give God praise one more time? Amen. <laughs>